Hello and welcome back to the Book By Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver. I'm joined today by Kyle. Hello. Dan. Hello. And today we're being joined by Ben from Preston Supporters Collective. Hello, thanks for having us on. No worries, mate. Um, it's great It's great to have you on, obviously. Uh, I, I messaged you uh, a few weeks back um, after the uh, last last game for the international break, uh, asking to get you on after the uh, Blackpool ticket news. So it's been it's been quite quite a while since uh, since that most recent game. Um, has there been like any changes in the uh, in the news about tickets, or is it kind of like staying the same? Um. It's kind of it stayed the same now. I mean, the decisions were already made. I remember talking to you a couple of weeks ago. It seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, as you know, we'd be given an, an allocation of two thousand two hundred. Um, there were lots of protracted discussions around the allocation numbers initially, and what reasons around why we were only given certain numbers. Um, it, it was difficult, difficult really. There was no fault really on our, our club, it, it mainly the decisions that it is a Blackpool home game and it is, you know, they've liaised with their own uh, senior police officers and ultimately decided to give their own fans 800 more tickets instead of potentially what would have been for us. Um, it was dif- difficult really. Um, not, not the best outcome at all. And, and doesn't appear to be particularly fair in how it was handled in terms of the rationale for why we were initially as a support but therefore given 800 tickets when we were initially told there were safety reasons for our, our own reduced allocation that weren't anything to do with our own supporters. Mm-hmm. It, it was a very frustrating time um, and a bit disappointed really, but like I say, the decision's been made. Well, yeah, exactly. Um I, I feel like uh, obviously Blackburn and Barnsley they got three thousand one hundred before, and they were talking about obviously safety being two thousand two hundred. So, I mean, I I agree with you. A lot of us were very disappointed when we heard that eight hundred tickets had been agreed um, for the stand, and they've uh, decided to give it to Blackpool. So, the main point being that two thousand two hundred tickets were there for safety to then put Blackpool back in the same stand as us kind of just throws away that point of safety being concerned as the tickets. But moving on um, to fan engagement recently, um, yeah. obviously at the start of the season, uh, we didn't have a fan zone. We've, we've been chanting, well, been going at the club's ear for a fan zone for ages. and um, We have. It's it started off great. I mean, I, I know um, the collective played a massive part in uh, getting the fan zone up and ready. Um, but yeah, it's been a great success really so far. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, fan engagement in general, the connection between the support base and the, and the club has been generally poor for a few years. I mean, when, when a lot of individuals got together in the summer, um, we didn't realise Preston was the only club without a supporters group within the FSA. So, 24 clubs in the championship and Preston's not got a supporters group at all. So, there's been a lot of progress in terms of, not just the fan zone, I mean, that's one aspect in terms of having, making match day more to 90 minutes was the original and it still is the main theme. We go to a game, 
we don't just want to go for 90 minutes. You want to, you know, you want to enjoy the day before, the hours before and after if necessary, try and build that into an experience, have good catering, have good merchandising. All these these things associated with that. You saw on Saturday, the terrace were down at the, the ground. Outside the ground, you know, the community trust are putting activities on for children. It's all, all adds to trying to make things better. You know, we, we get feedback from all kinds of supporters about various things, merchandising, catering. We've worked with the, the club in feeding back loads of information that they've took forward to Heathcote's. And also, you know, we've got a disability rep now. We're starting to look at issues that we can go to the club and try and improve. And just try and engage with the local community around Deathdale as well. Got a big, you know, potential support base there that we need to try and tap into. Well, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, um, with the big gate at the uh, weekend, the derby game, uh, with obviously uh, Trevor Hemmings' sad passing and uh, yeah. the club putting uh, £5 deal of for everyone to come and pay their respects yeah it, it, felt, it felt like um fan engagement would have been the perfect opportunity there and then to uh potentially bring in these fans who yeah. don't don't usually come on the games you know i haven't been on for for a while um and it was good to see them um it, it, it is it's a long process it, it, it's people are simplistic to say oh five pound tickets and people automatically come to the game and while that might work short term. It's just getting that general engagement that people enjoy going on a football match once again. And it's a good experience. You can't control what goes on in the pitch, as we saw on Saturday. But you can try and make things better for the supporters in terms of how they go about and enjoy the day. In terms of decent alcohol, and decent catering, activities for children. Offering things, for example, my daughter's vegan food for her. Halal food for people who... You know, Muslims who, who want to come on and watch the football. We've got to cater for everyone. <laughs> the Q&As as well uh, of old players uh, coming into the fan zone is brilliant. And it bring, it brings the older generation back. Because I know, um, obviously, due to COVID, there may have been a few people that have gone. They, they, they might have fallen out of love kind of with football. But going back and seeing and even being able to talk to uh, ex-players it brings that sort of love back to the game, really. So I think that's another great step made by the club. Uh, adding on to uh, fan engagement, I know I've um, talked to you uh, recently about this, Ben, but um, a few seasons ago um, when we played Millwall away first game of the season and it was half-time um, and there was there was quite a lot going on. I remember it was like a, foot, a relay race between um, young Preston supporters and young Millwall yeah. supporters in a relay race and they're and yeah. a target um, for fans to go on and try and uh, kick the ball into for the centre circle. Yeah. I, I know um, P&E uh, do, at half-time, they have kids uh, coming on the pitch and having a penalty shootout against each other. But um, it, it kind of be nice to like try and see uh, something different. Cause I know, yeah, mix it up. I, I, know, I know a couple of fans, like, uh, when, when we were at Millwall, I think, I think every away fan was fixated on, onto the pitch at yeah. half-time. Uh, whereas yeah. na- now everyone knows what's happening with a penalty shootout, it'd be it'd be nice to see um, maybe maybe a few games on at the uh, halftime break to really get the fans uh, staying. Yeah, mix it up a little bit. I think it'd be a good idea. I mean, I've seen that Millwall a couple of times where they have the relay race. Everyone gets really into it in the crowd. 
Um, I know we've had various things in the past, haven't we? We've had the trying to beat the goalkeeper probably from the halfway line and all that type of stuff. It's good that they, they brought former players down. I like that with Ricardo Fuller on Saturday. He he always speaks really well and that type of thing always goes down well with supporters. But yeah, get get children involved, get people from the community. I know they had Preston United down um, on Saturday and they, they got a lot of people within them doing taking the penalty shootouts. Mix it up. Yeah, you're right. Loads of different things. Keep the fans engaged and uh, keep doing all those different activities on the pitch I think it's not a bad idea the Millwall one thing's always funny I think I remember watching one year I think one of the kids I think I don't know if pressed a fan he completely fell over and it was chaos <laughs> I think I remember the uh, Millwall lad in the last 100 metres just uh, playing up to the crowd as he absolutely blazed it past the <laughs> other one but it's it's something like that that um, yeah, all even if, yeah all the little things add up to a great day and it will attract more people back, but um, and I think we're we're getting there slowly. We are. We're, yeah. we're making progress as so slow and steady wins the race. Re-engaging with the club. Slow and steady wins the race, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You it can see the it's, it's it's not easy. You, you you make progress on little things, and there's good dialogue between the club and its supporters now. It's it's getting far better than what it has been in recent years, and th- there are some improvements there that everyone can see. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's been uh, brilliant to uh, have you on, Ben, as well. No problem. Um, thank you for uh, speaking. Um, Anytime, no problem. we appreciate uh, all the stuff you're doing with the club and the fan engagement's been brilliant recently. So uh, We keep going. We ke- Yes, exactly. We keep going. Um, but thank you, Ben, for coming you're on. You're all right. No problem. Anytime, right. pal. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Right, boys. Um, let's get on to... Uh, the result of the weekend and obviously the uh, game against Derby. Obviously, um, the news of Trevor Hemmings passing uh, came quite late to us. Um, I, I can't remember what date it was, but um, I, I think everyone was quite shocked. Um, I remember I remember speaking to a couple of you and you, you both were stunned at the news. Um, obviously, we're all really saddened and uh, we... We give all our wishes to the Hemmings family and everyone associated with Trevor Hemmings. Um, and obviously the club came out and uh, gave a statement. And then to kind of like give, give, a, give a memory to the fans, they uh, gave £5 ticket for the Derby game for home and away fans, which I thought was a really, really uh, nice idea to come onto the game. And... Uh, it, it it was it was really nice how we uh, remembered him. I felt they obviously brought in John Welsh to speak in the Q and A, and then uh, Alan Brown going and laying his hat on the centre circle and putting it behind the the town end goal. I I, fe- I felt like Hamley would have really appreciated the the way the club went around things. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. everything but the ninety minutes of football was perfect in my opinion. I think. Trev is, well, someone who's been with the club for years now. He's been since 1970, I think. And he's always done his bit to make the club uh, sustainable in the Football League. And he took us up from League One. And, well, I mean, we've sat comfortably, well, I won't say comfortably in the Championship anymore, but we've been sat in the Championship for a while and... We've given it a decent go, to be fair. So you can only thank him for what he's done. Well, especially the in the COVID uh, year last year, 
how uh, he went around things and made sure every uh, players and everyone in the club got their wages paid in full, which was um, incredible to see because I know quite a lot of other clubs around the EFL and even the Premier League went on uh, furlough. But it, it was you could see, even though he was making a huge loss, because this the loss in the past season must have been much greater than the seasons before due to ticket sales. So it's it's really nice to see how he how he stuck to his guns in the way, like how he made sure everyone was taken care of, and I think I also, that re- reciprocates to who he is as a man, really. I also thought it was nice to see certain Bolton fans and Cork fans coming onto that social media, offering our fans tickets because of what Hemmings did for Bolton when they were going through a crisis. And also Cork, he helped keep the club afloat and send them back in the right direction. And yeah, it's, they just showed probably how generous of a owner he actually was. Well, I, I remember Peter Ridsdale uh, making a statement last year coming out with uh, Trevor Hemmings is a brilliant owner and he'll, he'll only really be appreciated uh, when he's gone. But I feel like the entire pressing community... Uh, has shown his appreciation for Trevor Hemmings over the past past week or so, and I and I feel like the Hemmings family. Re, well, we hope they appreciate it, and uh, obviously they'll they'll still be grieving, and so's the uh, rest of the club. So we can only sell, send our best wishes from the podcast to the Hemmings family, and we hope uh, that they uh, get through well with the grieving stage. The football, um, which Dyer. yeah, that's one way to say it. Um, two weeks to prepare for the game, and they, they look knackered as well. That's the thing, like they've they've come out on the pitch and they've defended for seventy minutes against. Derby County, who are really not in a good position, they're probably going to have to sell a lot of players in January, and the the like the the two centre halves had a combined age of seventy five, I think it was. So I mean, I mean, they're they're hardly the most like perfect outfit you'll come across in the championship. So if you can't put in a performance against them, who can you? And I mean, like you've played. You've been played off the park for 70 minutes. And it's like what Tom Barkusen said in his interview today. We didn't get any better. They just got worse by tiring after 70 minutes. We never looked like we were going to score. And we rarely like, touched the ball in the opposition box. Reese probably should have finished his chance. But apart from that, we had nothing else going for us. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're going to get on to Barkey's interview uh, in a bit. Because personally, that's one of... The, the biggest interviews I've ever seen a press and player take. I really can't understand. We, we never showed attacking intent. And I and it keeps me... There's always been something in my head. I never understood at two o'clock when I looked at the two lineup and I saw that our best midfielder had been dropped. Alan Brown was horrendous. I've got no, just one of the most non-existent performances I've seen from a North End player. Hit, no one was good. But I think Brown was probably one of the worst players on the pitch that day. I don't think Ryan Ledson was much better either. He hardly coloured himself in glory. Played, to be fair, 
exactly. I mean, like every single forward pass he made <laughs> got intercepted or he just lost the ball and he was nothing like his normal self. And I mean, like like Ollie said, you're dropping your best midfielder to the bench. And even when Ben Whiteman does start, and I'll continue to bang the Ben Whiteman drum because I love him so much as a midfielder. It, even when he does start, he barely gets past 60 minutes without being dragged off the pitch. Even when he came on, won. he wasn't that much better. Like I remember at one point we had the ball around like centre of Derby's half. Whiteman turns around and I've got no idea what happened. He just passed it into the middle of nowhere and it just went out for a throw. It was just the, the Reese. The Reese chance came from Whiteman passing through to DJ, passed through to Reese. I mean, he might not have had the best of impacts when he came on, but he's always looking to try and create something, which is more that can be said for Brown and Ledson. It was just a really weird performance. Like, just nothing really happened. Nothing I can think of really happened apart from Reese's shot and that Derby player just running for our defence about four times. I, I, I remember watching it and just seeing that, like, they just stand there. Like, the midfield just lets him bypass. I'm not even sure. I, I think Story tries to push him, but I, I can't... He's talking past about six players, and I don't think he's played before this season. Uh, like, he's a youth player, isn't he? Youth, yeah, exactly. He's a youth player. I'm allowing him to run rings around us. So, like, so not only are we lacking attacking intent, we're also lacking defensive structure. But if we're allowing a youth player to run through us like no tomorrow, so he was absolutely mugging Sep off big time. Like that Sep, that was the first time I've looked at Sep at right back and thought like, you can tell that's not his position. Because he was getting like he almost fell over a few times trying to defend that. But Stoke at home as well. Um, I can't remember who it was. Uh, was it Josh, Josh Timon? Yeah, Josh Timon turned him inside out, and you're starting to think like Liverpool have sent him here, and he's wanting to play in a more central position. You can tell he loves the club because he's come back. But the thing is, he's not a right wing back. He's not. He's a central defender, and we're playing him. We're playing him out of position, and now all of Sunday's back fit. I can only see him being dropped into Story's position if Seth Vanderberg is going to play. Um, it, that's if we do stick to the three-five-two um, formation. Well, it's five-three-two, I should say now, because um, Seth Seth's just. Ugh, I'm not even going to go into the formation. It's just going to get me angry. Um, but there's no defensive structure. I feel like Sep and Story don't really have the correct communication. Like there's so much space in between that defensive line. It's untrue. I mean, they're both as inexperienced as each other. To be honest, Story's still quite young, reasonably young, coming from League Two. He had a massive step up, and he's just not really got to grips with it. And Sep is like you say, he's just youth player centre half playing right wing back. It's not really a mix you want to see next to each other. <sighs> it's been re- it's been really tough to uh, watch North End recently. Se- seven games winless now. Um, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna take a statement from Tom Barkhausen actually here. He says, and and I quote. 
Yeah, results speak for themselves, he said. We can say we are so many unbeaten and blah, 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 but let's be honest, we beat three League One teams in the Cup and have drawn six where we could quite easily have got beaten most of them. At the moment, we don't look like we're going to dominate a game. We have only lost four, which you might think is all right, but we've won two, which isn't good enough. It's time to turn it around. There is no good in me or Brownie, who do a lot of media duty, keep coming out and saying this when things aren't going well. We need to start dominating games more, because if we don't, as bad as it sounds, we will be in big trouble. Now, and he's spot on too. He's absolutely bang on. Our, now, our last, our last win came in August, and we've not won away all all season apart from the cup. It's terrible, really. I think it screams a lot when it's a senior player like Tom Barkhausen, who's been here for like five or six years, who's come out and said, "Listen, we're in big trouble if we don't turn this around." And I think, I think that, I think that screams a lot to the rest of the squad. As well, as well as to the management, he's kind of saying because Tom Barkhausen's out of contract at the end of the season, and obviously he's had talks with um, Peter Ritzel about a new contract and so on. But we've not heard much news. But if he is going to run out of contract and going to leave the club, then he can say it how he is, and that's what he's been doing. I, I don't think I've seen a Tom Barkhausen interview where he's not said it how it is. And that might that may get him in trouble with I don't know people behind the club, but it, it's crazy to read as a fan seeing your own player come out and say, "Listen, we are not good enough. If this does not change, we're in big trouble." Like, it's it's like, refreshing. It's like when he was saying about obviously at the beginning of the season, Ridsdale was saying, "You know, oh, we're only one striker away from competing," and then Barkley's gone and said in that interview, like top six is long gone. That's years gone now. Like, it's just, it's weird to see, like, just a player be saying what the what everyone's thinking, really. It's, it's crazy. It's something I've never really seen before in a player. Just I having... It's refreshing, though. It's yeah. quite, it's nice to see because, you know, he's on the same page as the fans are. I mean, Frankie can come out every interview and say, Oh, we were unlucky, and it's disappointing how we've not played as well. But surely he's kind of in control of how the players are going out and playing, and he should be the one that comes out and saying, "Yeah, that performance was shit," and yeah, I need to do something about it. Well, he's spoken about uh, Frankie, and pretty much he he said that um, unfortunately that is where Team Spirit really gets tested and it ends up costing him his job about Alex Neal, which is players, and especially myself, you feel a lot of responsibility for. And he's gone in to say that Frankie wants to keep this team together and pull in the same way. And he's gone to say um, that he's got to cut him a lot of slack because it is his first job. And he's mentioned that he's not, he, he never wants to undermine the manager. But I feel like, we need to stay in this league, right? Frank, Frankie's been given a job for good performances at the latter end of the season when, put it this way, it's nothing games, you can say. Yeah, yeah, he's won, what are you, five and eight and two draws against teams who are either mid-table or, already like Barnsley, already secured in playoffs. So they don't need to play for anything. And the one team that did need to play for something was Brentford. 
Yeah. And we got tonked five <laughs> now at home. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, I understand we've given him. Well, I do understand why we've given him the job because after that performance, you probably think, yeah, you'd probably be unlucky to not get a chance to coach. But for his first actual job in professional football, and we give him like a rebuilding job in the summer, which probably isn't a rebuild, to say the least. It's bringing back two players on loan, a player who was on loan permanently, and then bringing in Matthew Olasunde, who's not played for the club, Izzy Brown, who probably won't play for the club, Connor Wickham, who's not going to play for the club, and and Ali McCann, and Ali McCann as well. So where does that leave us? We brought in Alan McCann and Seth Van der Berg and Daniel Iverson are uh, going back out to their uh, parent clubs at the end of the season. So where does that leave us in the rebuilding stage? We have Frankie McAvoy, who's, yeah, he's won five and eight last season, but he's winless in seven. We barely look like we're beating teams in the past seven. When, when, when does enough become enough? Like, we we. I can't see Preston winning another game this this week. Like we, we've got Coventry and we've got Blackpool. I can't see us even picking a point up, which is devastating. Coventry will turn us over. He's devastating for me to say because we've the, the, this is possibly the two biggest games of the season. Well, for Frankie's season, we've won two games in twelve. Boys, like that's baffling. Under Alex Neal, we were four-three-three pressing on the front four. We were almost pushing playoffs each season. And his number two's coming and got the number one job, and we've just regressed. See, we we've gone into a defensive structure which we're not defensive enough. So teams just tear us apart, but then we don't have the attacking intent because we don't have the we have Ledson and Brown, and then we have DJ, and we have no other attacking players besides Maguire, who's recently been injured. But Maguire, we just lump it up to Maguire and hope he tries to keep the ball down and play through Reese. And there's only he is, he is good at when he does do that. Got he, that. He's good. He's brilliant. But there's only a matter of time before club opposition clubs go. You know what? Just stop Maguire, and the entire the entire team falls apart. Mm. So, is it a case of changing the formation? Is it a change of potentially the manager losing his job, or should I say think, head coach? Realistically, that is the only way I can see this going. Well, I I don't think it's going to happen now. I feel like under normal circumstances, a loss at Blackpool would be. He'd have to go then, but obviously, with everything going on at the club at the moment, I don't think we're in a position where we are going to be getting rid of him anytime soon. No, but it's unthinkable. Two, two, two losses in this week is unthinkable. Like it is. That that make it two wins in fourteen. That make us winless in nine. Dude, that that's that's baffling. How many like, other managers like, that, survive? That, that. He won't survive. <laughs> we will be in deep trouble if this carries on. Like, 
we we looked at the um, at the fixtures at the start of the season, uh, and we thought, yeah, we have a fairly decent start. We had um, people guessing how many points we were going to pick up in the first uh, six, weren't it? And I remember people putting like twelve and thirteen and fourteen, and this. Oh, even on thirteen points now. And let, let, let me just double check. We are on twelve points in twelve games. So that's a point a game, right? So if it, if we carry on with uh, I don't know a point a game, so forty two points. I want I want to actually check. Um, well, I can't actually because we're recording. But um, does anyone know uh, what uh, the team who finished twenty first had last season points wise? I'll have a lot one. Oh, I'd be guessing to be honest because. If you carry on, it's not 42, it's 46, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking completely different. So, 46 points with one point per game. 46 points last season would have given would have put us 21st. So, is that just above relegation? Uh, yeah. By how many points? Three. So... If we carry on like this, it looks like we... Because <laughs> you, you think, there's clubs, there's even Derby County, they came to us last like yesterday. They came right out. You've got Nottingham Forest who were down, down in the uh, relegation battle. They picked up recently. Well, we're down in it. But we're, we're, we're 18th. We're 18th. Um, the team's below us. We've got Peterborough, who I do think will uh, hit the drop as well as Derby. Uh, we have Peter Barnsley, who I feel like they're going to replace their uh, manager. We've got Hull, who absolutely tore us apart on the first game of the season. We've got Cardiff, who will be selling, who will be probably getting rid of Mick McCarthy, who I dread to think, but I, I think he'll probably be a candidate for our next manager if we go and look for I saw someone. someone already suggested. Uh, it is. And then we have Birmingham, who... I mean, they've got Troy Deeney. They're not going down. He's, I mean, putting Troy Deeney out and, and saying not going down, but these are teams that you look at and you think, are we better than them? At the moment, no. I, I put, If you slammed us in League One and you said, hey, do you reckon we could get a result away at Gillingham? No. <laughs> Do you reckon we could get a result away at Wigan? No? I don't think we could. No, of course we couldn't. We're in a, we're in a rut at the moment where we don't look like we have any intent to win games. Like we look, we look like we're set up to draw a game each game. You can, you yeah, can, you can just lose, tell by the, You can just tell by the lack of urgency as well because you get to the last 10 minutes against Derby County who are bottom of the league almost definitely going down and we were like taking our time on goal kicks and that and there was no like these players like Brown who were meant to be these like you know the the captain the passion merchant the one thing you should be doing is like signing up and getting the players going when we're 85th minute or in 0-0 against Derby with them absolutely knackered but it wasn't like that at all. 
it was just like passing it about, no actual attacking intent. And it's McAvoy's job to get the players going and get them. Because under Neil, maybe not towards the end, but in like when he was at his best, around like the beginning of 1921, 1920 even, we'd be having game. We'd be, we were 2-0 down against Blackburn and came back to win 3-2. And that, that would never happen under McAvoy. Not ever would we come back from 2-0 down to win a game 3-2. Well, Something like you supporting Neil, though. <laughs> not supporting Neil. I'm just saying we probably shouldn't have appointed... We probably shouldn't have appointed Alex Neil's assistant and expected for us to be any better than we were under Alex Neil. But if we are going to look for a new head coach... Who would you look towards now? Who would come into this sinking ship right now? Because let, let, let's face it, on on the pitch, on the pitch, we're a sinking ship. Or off the pitch, you can see the club's growing and it's been doing brilliantly with fan engagement and stuff. But it's on the pitch now, and this is where it's getting nitty gritty. Like fan, fans are coming in to watch, and they're being left disappointed by what's on the pitch. Like the club are doing absolutely everything off the pitch uh, to try and make it more than ninety minutes, as uh, Ben said recent uh, earlier in the podcast. But it's you go to support your football club, and you go to you go to watch the football, and if the football isn't good enough, then what? What's mad to think is on Wednesday we could have almost 10,000 less fans in than we had on Saturday. Because I think it's going to be like an appalling attendance on Wednesday. Because there's no chance any of those people who jumped at the opportunity to take a £5 ticket are going anywhere near Deepdale again for a long time after everything to do with Saturday. On the plus side, commentary fans are meant to be quite good. Oh, wow. maybe, they'll, maybe they'll lift the lift the players. Well, maybe they'll lift the mood. Uh, I wonder if the announcer will ask them if they're ready for football. I'm so glad we didn't have him again on Saturday. Because imagine if he tried to say that after, like, just before, just after the Hemmings video. Are you ready for football, imagine, sir? Can you imagine sir, if he does it for, like, Blackburn or Blackpool at home? Oh, my. If he, nah, we can't have We'd him. We'd be laughed at Lancashire. Um, so... You can feel you can feel the club going really stale, um, and we've just been joined by Adam, who's back. Hello. Now after um, I don't know how many what five weeks ago. No, 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 no. I was on that two weeks ago. Then huh? so, two well, t- no, not two weeks ago. We had international break. Well, similar, similar two, to that. two hey, episodes ago. Right, one before last. But I'd like to hear your thoughts, Adam, recently on the on the club's um, performances on the pitch. Um, I'm definitely much more optimistic than you guys. Um, definitely a, a glass half full kind of guy. Um, obviously, I've read Barky's interview and I understand uh, your guys' perspective in that we're not one in seven games. Uh, six points from seven games in the league is obviously very poor. Um, but the flip side to that is excluding the um, bollocks. What get? Who did we lose to? I forgot now. Almost everyone. No, no, no. Who did? Who? Who did we lose to? What? 
at the start of the season? No, no, no. In the, in, out of the last 10 games, who was the QPR. team that just lost? QPR. QPR. Yeah, lost three, two. Excluding the QPR game, which we we came back and we obviously showed good character in that game, but character can only go so far. Um, excluding that game, you'd you'd say we're we we're unbeaten in what nine games, eight or nine games. Now, I, understand, I, understand, for three of them. <laughs> I understand that the only wins were League One teams. The the idea that we're hard to beat. I'd rather have a team that's hard to beat and doesn't win many games than a team that'll win a lot of games but also lose lots of games, personally. No, the only thing that's hard to beat is Daniel Iverson. Yeah, that is a fair point. I think that, you take Daniel Iverson it. out of the team. You stick, we're probably I, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to say, you put Declan Rudd in there and De- Declan Rudd's been a brilliant keeper for the past three, four seasons for us. But there's a difference in class between Daniel Iverson and Declan yeah. Rudd. You put He's Declan Rudd in that, with, I think three or four of the draws would turn into losses. Yeah, I'd, he doesn't I'd make probably... he doesn't make that double save on Saturday. That mental no, double save from Iverson. Yeah, I'd probably say Iverson has won us maybe seven or eight points this season. Which I is think definitely at the weekend. I think against Stoke, he's definitely done it. He kept us in the game a few times against um, Peterborough, where we obviously we battered them, but they had a few chances um, where they could I'd have. Say West Brom as well. He's kept us West Brom as well. There's a lot, a lot of games in there where he's won us quite a few points. Um, he's def- uh, for me, he's definitely the signing of the season. Well, how, so, how long? How long can you go on by just just holding on to the fact that your keeper's got to save you? Like yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna mess around here because obviously um, he probably won't get a look in at Leicester because he's uh, getting no. quite old. But you can see, you can see, you can probably see teams, uh, high end Championship teams, or even low end Premier League Premier teams uh, yeah. coming looking for him in January. And obviously, we we can't really say much if there is going to be a buy. He so, screams out the the perfect type of Brentford signing. He just screams oh, out Brentford. Well, didn't didn't he want to sign him? I'm, I'm not, not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, but say say that someone comes along and signs Daniel Iverson in January. Yeah. Then what? what where's that going to leave us? We'll have Declan yeah. Ruddy's not played in probably eight months. Would you? Well, he, he played. Mm. Didn't he play? Uh, played in the preseason. A few pre-se- times, he got he, no. He played. He played against Hull, didn't he? He got taken off for a concussion. Yeah, yeah, he did. So, so you're probably looking at five months where he's not played Declan Rudd. Uh, you've lost p- probably your best player in Daniel Iverson, who wins us so many points. Can you see the rest of the team pulling, pulling in <laughs> together at the moment? Probably not. So. No. Adam, right. I know you're a glass half full kind of guy. Yeah. Can you see us picking up any points in the rest of the week? Um. What are you talking? Again? I'm talking Blackpool Coventry and Blackpool. Uh, personally, I think we'll draw against Coventry again, and I think we'll beat. Well, yeah, it's, well, it's nice to have some positivity, but you know, <laughs> I, I do feel you're off your rocker. <laughs> um, but. 
I, I'd love for that to happen. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love for no offense to prove us wrong, but how many times have I said coming at the end of the podcast? Oh, I really hope Preston will prove me wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. How, how many times do I have to say I really hope I'm wrong before we actually get a result? How many times have we scored more than one goal in a game this season? At the Sheffield, QPR. And Swansea, is that three? Three, three out of 12 games. I think. Jesus. Well, aren't we like one of the lowest uh, for um, shots as well? Sorry, about that. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I feel like we're one of the lowest for uh, like attacking, <laughs> attacking wise, for like shots. And like, this... it was so much better in a in the attacking three five. Like three five two could work, but you need <sighs> it needs to be a bit more than what we play we're not going forward quick enough we're not involving the wing backs there's, there's no there's no engagement in between like the three different stages of the team there's no engagement from the defence to the midfield at all and there's no and the engagement the defence just skips the midfield and besides, besides the Daniel Johnson and the two up top the midfield and attack you know where's that it? All, all, all opposition have to do is my mark Daniel Johnson and as I mentioned before Sean Maguire at the game and you got Emil Reese up top who'll be well by himself where's that leave us we'll have absolute if you mark Sean Maguire and Daniel Johnson out of a game which it won't be hard to stick two players on him each and albeit how good Daniel Johnson has been and how good Sean Maguire has been if you're, if you're putting two decent players on him He's probably not going to be able. To, uh, well, they're probably not going to be able to do what they want to do for the for the team. And then you're going to leave Emil Reese, who's not a lone striker at all. So we'll then be isolated with what you're looking at at the weekend: Alan Brown and Ryan Ledson, and then our other attacking intents, Josh Earl and Seth Van der Berg as the centre half, playing right wing back. Going back to what you just said about Reese not being a lone striker, I completely agree. And then you see people like saying, "Oh, I want us to, to switch like a four-three-three with Reese up top." It just wouldn't work because we well we had the three-five-two on the weekend with Barky and Reese up top, but Barky spent most of his time on right wing anyway, and Reese barely touched the ball in an attacking position. So it it just wouldn't work. He need he always needs Maguire up there with him. To try and like detract the attention away from Reese, I'd I'd probably disagree with that. I think the the reason we're saying Reese isn't a lone striker, which I do agree with, when he's isolated on his own, he's not a lone striker. He can't do it all himself. We're going off um, the game where Alan Brown came on for Sean Maguire, and we played that weird formation, Diamond, and Reese were up front. And there were just four midfielders, and no, there were literally no one else. There weren't even wingers. Now at the weekend, when we saw Reese up front with two wingers, uh, fair enough, we saw it in the last five ten minutes when Derby were blowing out their ass. Um, I, I thought Reese looked okay. He should have buried that one-on-one chance, but I think outside of that, his overall play was good enough to warrant maybe trying a four-three-three. I don't think him being a lone striker, just one striker. 
is his downfall. I think it's when he's a striker. No wingers or strikers, if if that makes sense. I don't I, think I do four three is the. I don't think it's the answer because I think we, we with Reese, you've got to be going central with him because we saw it when Barky was playing. It was almost like we were playing a bit of a four three, obviously with five at the back, but we had like a central striker and a right winger, Barky going down the wing, crossing it in, and we could we could literally have night down, Barky crossing it in and we wouldn't score once because it was just the same thing over and over of a crossing headed away, crossing headed away Reese isn't that sort of player We need to with Reese we need to focus a pl- attack down the middle so that's why I don't think a 4-3-3 would work with Reese up front in his own It's debatable, I think, I, I, think it, I think potentially it could work though um, I know Alex Neal used to play a rotating front three um, especially with um, Robinson, Maguire, and Barkhausen. So they used to like um, switch and alternate. alternate. Uh, I feel like if Reese, because obviously he did play a tiny bit on the wing under Neil, um, when he does come wide, he can beat a defender. And he can he can whip balls in brilliantly. So I mean, I'm not trying to take away Emil Reese from playing as a number nine. Absolutely not. I feel I feel like he's the best striker the club's had. Uh, in the recent years. But I, I do feel like he needs a lot more help up there rather than just Shawnee Maguire and Daniel Johnson coming in behind him. So, potentially, we could look towards even a 4 2 3 1, albeit Reese playing up top. But you probably need either one of the wingers to come close to him or Daniel Johnson just playing a tiny bit off him. You, you need someone to kind of like win the balls. So even if you play um, Sean and Maguire off the left and you, you have Daniel Johnson and Tom Barkhausen stretching the game, it'll be much more attacking intent than having Seth van der Berg, who's, you know... I mean, don't get me wrong, he's, he's done brilliantly a right wing-back, but he's not a right wing-back. Quick side note on Seth. Uh, we he went down in the first half, obviously on Saturday. If if I were Frankie McAvoy, I'd be dropping him on Wednesday. I think he needs a rest. I think he's massively overplayed, and I think if he carries on playing two to three games a week, week in week out, he will end up pulling a muscle or even worse, tearing a muscle. I think he's been massively overplayed at the minute. <sighs> well. All of Sunday's back um, now. Yeah, well. What? What? Can yeah. will, he, will he come in? Will he not? When all of Sunday plays, pigs will start flying. Well, cheers to that, Adam. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Very, very insightful. But we're, we're going to get away from the negative stuff now because I feel like we have been joining on about the. Um, we're playing on the pitch. <laughs> We're going to go to score predictions. We're going to do both Coventry and um, Blackpool. So I'm going to go. I you said you were, we were going away from negativity. Which, <laughs> game, the prediction. All right. Well, we've got Adam here. So we'll go Adam first for his score <laughs> predictions. So we'll go positive for uh, about five seconds. So, Adam, what's your <laughs> score predictions for the uh, two games? Um, Coventry. I'm going one one. 
Uh, no, I'll go two two actually, and then Blackpool. I'm gonna go one nil North End. Okay, Kyle. I think I'm gonna go two nil Coventry and one nil Blackpool. Wow. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go one nil Coventry and two one Blackpool. Oh, I think I think I'm leading the scores so far. By it's not a competition, are we? It's uh, no, it's not a competition, and I'm predicting us losing, which I don't like. Um, I want to go for two losses. <laughs> I'm going to go two one Coventry, and I'm going to go. <sighs> I've got a horrible feeling, but I feel like we might get absolutely trounced at the weekend. Like I, I feel like. I feel like it could be a Swansea v Cardiff scoreline. I'm going to go 3-1 Blackpool. Jeez. Which is horrible for me to say because there's nothing I'd love more than us to grab a 1-0 win. But the, the way that we're playing recently, it's just... Are the players going to be up for it? Because... It, Every game now needs to be a big game, not just Sunday. Well, Saturday, I don't think Sunday. <laughs> you just hope that the players start turning up and pretending every game's a big game and it's not just, you know what, we're leading towards Blackpool. But even this, I reckon a couple of players in that squad will think, you know what, we've got two games in the league here and we've got a big game against Liverpool. You're like... Hmm. I reckon some players in the squad might think like that. Oh, Rafferty, yeah. especially. Well, I'm absolutely dreading that Liverpool game, you know. Every <laughs> aspect of that Liverpool game I'm dreading. It's going to be. I'd rest, I'd rest our players. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd put second team out and rest them. Yeah, I would. I don't I'd, care about the Liverpool game, personally. Like, do, do what we did against City, because we had Paul Huntington uh, who came to the team, I remember. I, yeah. I think that was like the first time that Ryan Ledson got a proper run out as well. Brad Potts were playing. Ripley well. were in there, Brad, Brad Potts in the ten. Yeah, Ripley in there. Oh well, I mean, he, Brad, he's got a, he's got an emergency loan to uh, solve. We got a clean sheet yeah, the weekend. Yeah. He played quite well, apparently. He, well, he had one well. save, yes. so that's about it. One shot on target from Hartlepool, so. Seems like he's doing well down there, so um, maybe they'll keep him for longer than a week. Fingers crossed. Forever. <laughs> well, he's not in the 25, is he? So, there's if he, if he needs to go get playing time, then that's probably the best way to get it. But um, unless you boys have anything else to say, I think it's probably best to leave it there. No, all done. All done. Well, um, after, so, so our negative part, hopefully... Next week, um, after two great wins against Coventry and Blackpool, we'll be speaking very positively. Um, but the way uh, it's been recently, um, it'll probably only be a negative tone. Um, but fingers crossed it changes. And fingers crossed this is the last time I was saying that we hope we're proven wrong by North End, uh, besides Adam, obviously, because Adam's a half glass half full kind of guy. But, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. 
and uh, we'll see you after the Blackpool game. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Awesome.